Welcome to Money, Mindset, and Love with your host, Thomas DeShooter. As our title implies, this program is about so much more than money. We'll focus on the game of life and the best way to play it with empowerment, love, and financial freedom. Now, here's your host, Thomas DeShooter. Good morning and welcome to Money, Mindset, and Love. I am your host, Thomas DeShooter, and I am absolutely thrilled with today's episode Not that I wasn't thrilled with the rest of the episodes, but today is kind of special because I am coming to you from Nairobi, Kenya. Yeah, that's right. We are recording today. Uh, We are 11 hours ahead of um, Pacific Standard Time here. So it's uh, first thing in the morning for me on, uh, gosh, what is it? It's Monday. And I'm uh, super thrilled uh, for a number of reasons. One is the experience here has already been magnificent. We've been here since, uh, I'm thinking Wednesday, Wednesday of last week, we arrived and uh, it was quite a journey. Um, And we'll get into a little bit of that. But also in uh, segment two and three of today's show, I have just an amazing guest joining us, Rebecca Harrison, who is the CEO and co-founder of AMI, which is African Management Initiative. And so we're going to dive into exactly what she does here, what the AMI is. And also, you know, I've known Rebecca for a number of years and uh, she's, you know, originally um, from, from the wonderful country of the UK and uh, is now in Africa and has uh, had a couple of stints now in Africa as well as some time in the Middle East. And so we're going to talk about that. She is uh, an amazing, an amazing woman and an amazing human being. And so I'm really looking forward to, um, to finding more about what they do and, uh, and her journey of getting here to living and raising a family in Kenya. But now, as for, the, uh, as for getting to Kenya, well, I believe that we were actually 26 hours of planes and automobiles. Unfortunately, we missed the train component of that. Uh, great movie, by the way. But uh, we're going to actually be on a train in a couple of days. So this journey will have included all of those uh, sources of travel, as well as sea, actually, because we started off on a ferry. So from our island to Vancouver, we ferried over, and that was a couple of hours. And then we traveled on planes for about 21 hours and sat in airports for, you know, probably four. So we're definitely in the 26 to 27 hour range of travel just to get here. And getting here and all of that travel was so worth it. Uh, Just before I started recording, I actually had a monkey, um, yeah, a monkey come by and check me out a little. And then he moved on. Uh, The other day we were, we were out at an orphanage, the, uh, the David Sheldrick elephant and rhino orphanage and we were you know had my first ever encounter with a baby white rhino Uh, a number of elements i believe uh, or elephants sorry not elements well the elements were great but a number of elephants uh, were brought out um, and they were uh, they were so interesting to watch as they had their feeding they played in the mud they threw water and mud on themselves. They, uh, some of them wrestled. And these are all young elephants that have been rescued from danger or a loss of their herd or they've been abandoned or in some capacity and they've been brought into the orphanage. And what they do is they raise the elephants and they get them back up to good health, have them interact with uh, the other elephants are, that are there. And I believe there's, I'm going to say... Uh, the first group was 11 elephants. The second group was seven. So there's about 18 to 20 elephants there, somewhere in that range. And so they learn to uh, be interactive. They learn to socialize amongst themselves. And then they let them back out into the wild. And, uh, and it's a fantastic organization. But 
you know, as far as us as a family and doing this together, uh, bringing the kids to an event like that or to uh, uh, an orphanage that looks after elephants and rhinos and seeing, you know, not only their faces. I mean, the, t- the twins are 12, but even my wife and I were like, what? The? This is incredible. And I-, I have to say, though, the baby rhino, the white rhino stole the show. It was uh, I don't know if you watch the Backyardigans, but there's one of the characters in the Backyardigans that is definitely um, this, the, the exact image of this baby rhino. And so that was uh, one of our first days and one of our first experiences here in Kenya. We also then later went on to a, uh, a giraffe um, sanctuary, and there they you can eat and you can feed. You can actually eat uh, amongst the giraffes, but you can also feed the giraffes. And so, um, you know, they're not exactly in the wild. So it doesn't have that element of there's the wild animals doing their thing. It's a little more uh, controlled. However... <clears throat> These are massive animals. I've never been up front, you know, like right there with a huge male giraffe eating food out of my hand. Um, there was actually one point that uh, I put uh, one of the pellets in my uh, between my teeth and the giraffe ate it. It looked like I got a giraffe kiss. Not really, but um, so we all did that. All the family members did that. We had a lot of fun with that. And so that was uh, that was our first day traveling around uh, around Nairobi as we're in the city right now in a in a couple actually tomorrow we'll be heading off on safari and then we'll be headed to the coast um, and we'll be spending a number of days uh, on the Indian Ocean right on the beach and I'm very much looking forward to some beach time it's going to be great. Uh, what else what else about this place has really surprised me I think um, the people the English is is everywhere. Uh, yesterday we went to. We went to the markets, and uh, everybody spoke English. <clears throat> and, of course, they were all going to give me the best deal ever. And because I was from Canada, I was even going to get a better deal. Uh, but it was, it was great. And what I loved, what I really enjoyed, was we empowered uh, the girls to have their own money and to start learning to negotiate because everything that they sell at these markets is negotiable. Um, you're going to... You're going to be, you know, given a price and then they fully expect you to try to get a lower price. And so it was fun for the girls to have that experience and to start at their early age of understanding, you know, this is money. We're going to be paying for things. But in a situation like this, um, very much unlike North America, you have the opportunity to barter and negotiate and try to drive the price down so that you can get a better deal. And so they both bought some uh, earrings and uh, some a little bits of jewelry. And so what started off as, uh, you know, five or six dollars, they managed to get it for two or three dollars. And so it was fun to watch that process. And of course, I, I enjoyed that myself, just having that uh, for some of the things that I purchased of being able to work with that person. And, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you could just say, you know what, no, uh, I'm going to go to the next, the, the, the next merchant because there, there are so many of them in these markets. Uh, I've experienced something like that similar when I went to Turkey a number of years ago, but not, uh, not quite at this level. And so that was, uh, that was exciting. So that's, that's kind of the, the good stuff. The, the, the rest of that is that the people here are so generous. Um, they just want to be of service and it's pretty incredible when, you know, you're walking around and uh, you go to a shop and the service is far beyond the service that we receive back in North America. And uh, they just want to aim to please. They take you basically from start to finish of buying or of purchasing an item. 
and uh, they're so gracious as well that you've done business with them. And so that's been a great lesson as well as to see that even though conditions here aren't um, at like infrastructure wise and economy wise aren't the same level as what we have back home. The, the graciousness and the gratitude of the people is beyond what we normally see in our own country. And uh, that was a really nice uh, surprise. I wasn't sure how that was going to go, especially because here it's, you know, and, and I'll use their terminology. I mean, we're white people. And, uh, and so, you know, is there a racial thing? I haven't felt it. I haven't felt it at all, actually. Um, all of the people that we've interacted with have been absolutely um, amazing. And I have no point of I felt uh, scared or worried or anything like that. So that's been uh, really great. I guess an observation on the downside would be, um, would be just how little uh, they make on a daily basis. Uh, you know, I'm getting Uber rides across town for, you know, two dollars and 30 cents to three dollars basically uh that just wouldn't happen back home and so in talking to um, one of my family members so we we did come and visit family so my brother-in-law that's here and talking to him you know if somebody's making 12 dollars a day that's a decent wage like that's a that's a good wage and uh and i'm just you know shocked by that when i think about the um, the operating of uh, of an Uber, it's not like gas is really cheap here. It's the same price actually, and um, insurance. They have to insure their car, and so they need to be doing quite a bit of rides a day to get up to that you know place where they're actually going to make in their pocket twelve dollars a day, and so that's kind of shocking. Um, you know, being in the world of money and mindset and of of course love, uh, when you're coming from a place where I think the minimum wage back home is $12 an hour to, you know, meeting and interacting with people who are, you know, thinking they're, they're doing well on, on $12 a day, that being a good wage. It's pretty humbling actually. And, uh, you know, all of us in the family, uh, Leslie and the girls and I have talked about just how, uh, just how fortunate we are where we live, you know, and I've said this before, I've said this on, on talks I've done on stage, you know, essentially I won the lottery at birth. I mean, I was born in, in Canada. I was born in a country where uh, so much is already given and provided that when you come to a place like this and you see joy in people who have, you know, far less on the material side than, than what we have back home, it, it takes it, uh, it takes it to your heart, really. And you start to, you know, I have to say, I'm starting to look deeper and deeper uh, at myself and my own situation. And what can I give up when I get home? What can I release from my life? Um, and, it, and with that in mind, uh, for those that know me really well, they know I, uh, I write a daily prayer and uh, I journal, I meditate every morning. So that's my regular practice and I've maintained that practice. And uh, I'll just share with you, you know, one of the things, uh, one of my prayers uh, since I've been here uh, yesterday. And um, so here we go. So I am learning to let go. There is no thing that I must do and no place that I must be. As I create emptiness, it is filled with the natural flow of life. Each moment passes to the next, adding to my will to be. I am closer to home closer to myself and uh, I am feeling the more I get out in Nairobi and the more I interact the more I see 
There's a couple of things. One is, of course, I feel very fortunate and blessed. The other is I'm really starting to get a yearning to get up to something challenging. Like I was actually saying to somebody the other day here that I don't, I'm pretty clear. I don't want to, you know, grow old knowing I lived my entire life in the comfort and sanctuary of Canada. I, I'm up for an adventure. And I think one of my, you know, one of my goals in getting home will be to have a discussion with the family about what that might look like. How can we go out into the world and experience something that is far beyond what our normal lifestyle is like? I'm up for a challenge. I'm up for something that is going to push me to grow at a different level than I currently am. And, and certainly, you know, I do a lot of self uh uh, self-reflection. I do a lot of work in the morning on, on personal growth, but I'm really feeling like the surroundings are now contributing a lot to how I feel and how I move and flow in the world. And I'm up to a new experience that, that makes me rethink everything that I'm doing and everything that I think. And, uh, and so, yeah, like I said, when I get home, um, I am going to engage uh, Leslie and the girls in a conversation about what that might look like. What might it look like for us to move somewhere else in the world or even just spend, you know, six months uh, traveling to a few different places and living, you know, renting something and just submerging ourselves into that culture, into that economy uh, and, and interacting with people and operating in a different environment than what we currently do. And it's not a good or bad thing. It's not like, oh, the comfort of Canada is now bad and I'm anti, you know, comfort. It's not that at all. It's really about pushing myself to having a deeper understanding of humanity and interacting with people. Because, you know, one of the things I talk about a, a lot for myself and, and in the morning is, is love, is oneness, unity. I believe we are all you know, from the same dust of the stars. I believe that oceans run through our veins. We're all part of the same human experience. And, uh, and so I want to experience more of that. All right. So a couple of quick notes too, as well. This is actually the final episode of this season of Money, Mindset, and Love. We've done 13 episodes. It's been fantastic. Um, we're taking a hiatus. We're not sure what that's going to look like. So if you want to keep in touch, there's a couple of places you can do that. You can do that via Instagram, um, through Thomas DeShooter, Thomas underscore DeShooter, or you can go to Facebook and dial in Money, Mindset, and Love on Facebook and join our Facebook community. And that way you can keep in touch uh, with what we're doing. If we're doing any other shows or podcasts out there, uh, we'll certainly announce that as we go along. And uh, thanks so much to Voice America. It's been a great experience. Um, I've certainly learned a lot about producing. Uh, you know, one of the huge gifts was uh, doing shows with Leslie and her and I uh, interacting and it's brought our relationship and our business relationship to a new level. So that's been, uh, that's been really great. And so before we go to break, I'll just remind you coming up after the break, we have Rebecca Harrison, the CEO and co-founder of AI, AMI African Management Initiative. I'm really looking forward to talking to her. So without further ado, we're going to go to break right now. We'll see you on the other side. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. 
Do you feel uneasy visiting a bank? Do you struggle to sit through a meeting with your financial advisor and leave having not fully understood what they were talking about? Are you blindly trusting that somebody else understands this better than you? Call Thomas the Shooter and the team at Bloom Strategies to create your financial future. Together, you will break down the game of money so that you win. Learn how to take control of your finances and make decisions based on your core values that put you in the driver's seat of your financial life. No more thinking that you don't get it. No more financial statements left unopened. And no more feeling like you are stuck in a world of scarcity. Join the conversation on Facebook at Bloom Strategies or go to bloomstrategies.com today. That's B-L-O-O-M strategies.com. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on Instagram. Make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows, live events, and around the network. We want to see what you have to share as well. Check us out on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Money, Mindset, and Love. To reach the program today, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to thomas at thomasdeshooter.com. Now back to Money, Mindset, and Love. Welcome back to Money, Mindset, and Love. I am your host, Thomas DeShooter. We are here in Nairobi, Kenya. So excited about that, to be uh, doing a show internationally. And uh, as I mentioned in the first segment, we are with our guest, Rebecca Harrison. Rebecca Harrison is the CEO and co-founder of AMI, which is the African Management Initiative, and has led the team since inception. Under Rebecca's leadership, AMI has developed a large growing portfolio of clients across Africa. She represents AMI globally at various forms and is global chair of the Talent Committee at the Aspen Network for Development Entrepreneurs. Previously, Rebecca spent nine years as a foreign correspondent and manager for Reuters News Agency, where she led business coverage in Africa and reported on politics, markets, and development from 13 countries in Africa, Europe, and the Middle East. Wow. Rebecca completed her MBA cum laude in entrepreneurship at South Africa's Gordon Institute of Business Science, where she graduated first in her class and was awarded a Kellogg Foundation grant to conduct research into innovation in low-income markets. She also has a BA from the University of Manchester. Rebecca is British and lives in Kenya with her husband and two young sons. Rebecca, welcome to the show. Thank you, Thomas. Delighted to be here. Um, so why don't we do this first? Why don't we let people know what AMI is? What is it that you actually do here? Cool. Um, at AMI, we're pioneering a scalable and practical approach to workplace learning for Africa. Um, so what that means is we're trying to help people do their jobs more effectively, build their organizations. Uh, and the goal was to 
um, a, a lot of workplace learning or training, you know, across Africa, around the world, is even is really focused around academic concepts and theories. And we wanted to take learning away from kind of the ivory towers of business schools um, and make it much more accessible, more practical. And what that looks like in person is we have an online platform um, with a mobile app as well. And we combine that with really experiential in-person workshops and then a real focus on on-the-job practice. So we take people and organizations across Africa on learning journeys uh, to help them build their skills and perform more effectively on the job. Wow. And so, uh, you know, I've known you a while, but mm -hmm. what I'm really curious about mm -hmm. is like, how did this get started for you? Like, mm -hmm. what is it that brought you to this line of work or I guess yeah. work in the book, it's like work in the community mm -hmm. and work as a CEO and founder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a, it was an interesting journey and not really one I expected, I guess. So I used to be a journalist. I can get into all of that maybe later on, but I used to be a journalist and I was passionate about, I guess I came to Africa because I was passionate about doing something that would kind of make a contribution, kind of make a difference in the world. Um, I was sent to Africa and I thought that I would be writing about, um, you know, humanitarian issues, HIV, human rights, poverty. And I was assigned to write about technology and telecoms and markets. And kind of my heart sank. I was like, well, I didn't come to, you know, Africa to write about markets. This kind of isn't the image that I had in my head. Um, but I realized quite quickly that actually some of the, 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 the private sector arguably was having a bigger impact on people's lives. And it was a time when the mobile phone kind of revolution was sweeping across Africa. People were getting a phone and, and were empowered and able to communicate with the world, create businesses for themselves. Um, it opened up all sorts of new ways of making money, of communicating, of kind of um, doing all sorts of things. And, and I got really excited about the potential of technology, I guess, and the private sector to change people's lives. Um, and I found myself writing more and more, finding excuses to write more and more about these kind of issues. Um, and, I, and I guess way back, I, I've always had this kind of secret, always had this secret ambition to start a business that I never, never really told people about as daughter of doctors and professionals, and we didn't do things like start businesses. So the, the entrepreneurial spirit the entrepreneurial, was alive. Yeah, exactly. The entrepreneurial spirit was kind of there, just you know, starting to to, to kind of rear its head a little bit, I guess. Um, and so I decided to go back to business. I went to business school um, to learn a bit about business. And then, uh, at business, and then I had various, did a few little different experiments and got involved in a few things and then met my co-founder at business school, um, Jonathan Cook, who was the director of the business school that I went to. And he had a vision for building management and business capacity across the continent. Um, again, one that would break out of the, the kind of constraints of a business school model. Um, and about the same time, I think I started to realize how initially, you know, initially Jonathan said, why don't we start this thing around building management capacity? And I kind of thought, you know, middle managers, I initially thought of, immediately thought of The Office, you know, the TV show The Office. I was like, middle management doesn't really have a good reputation <laughs> generally in the world um, so I wasn't I didn't think it was kind of the coolest sexiest cause I could be working on initially middle management but the more I, I started kind of looking around me and I realized how many people were disempowered how many organizations weren't working because they didn't have people who could just get the stuff done um, how many managers weren't able to empower their teams um, and, and build their teams and how the kind of scarcity of some quite basic skills right. around kind of people 
and um, and and habits really just habits of kind of good practice of how you manage yourself, manage others, manage an organisation. Um, I felt that was really holding the continent back across all levels. So in the private sector, in the public sector, things like schools, hospitals, roads—you know—they don't get built if people aren't. Right. So the, so if I were to break that down, the mm. top tier mm. was fine, mm. but then there was this gap in the middle where there was just not enough yeah. train and develop, training and development mm. to get people that could really do some great work there. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah, we used to call it kind of the engine room of organizations. Right. And so. This isn't the first business you've had in Africa, though, right? Is that correct? <laughs> I thought we agreed we wouldn't talk about this one. <laughs> no, uh, it, well, it's the first that's, that's, I guess, had some level of success. Let's right. put it that way. <laughs> right. but, but you know but what? No, but failure is good. I'm happy Every to Every entrepreneur has yeah. had yeah. those disasters no, or those absolutely. things, but, but it's the growth, right? Yeah. It's like, what did you learn? Yeah. And how can you bring that to the table? And mm. you don't have to talk a lot about it, but what, what mm. was the focus of that? Yeah, no, I'm kidding. I'm happy to talk about yeah. it. So the first business I got involved with after business school was, um, oh, I poured my heart into it. It was, I met this guy who had a product, um, we called it Easy Washer. And it was a product that essentially allowed women, particularly in poor rural communities, to wash their clothes. It was kind of a, a manual laundry device yeah. where it's hard to describe without a visual, but it was like a, basically a pole with this kind of cone on the end with holes in it. It was that simple. And you pump it up and down, it would create the same kind of effect as, as a washing machine. And it would clean clothes and it, would, it was incredibly impactful because it would save, you know, women in rural areas spend huge amounts of their time on kind of laundry and washing clothes. And so right. the idea was it was liber liberate them from that kind of task. It saved water, did all sorts of wonderful things. Um, and and we, never, we never got it out there really for a bunch of reasons. I mean, the main reason was around people. That, uh, there was, um, in the end, the, the co-founder and I parted ways and it was quite acrimonious. So I learned all sorts of lessons around choosing your founder, your co-founder really yeah. carefully. You were married to your co-founder. Um, in a sense, and um, uh, yeah, I learned that the hard way. Yeah, well, it's a different kind of marriage, right? But it is, yeah. I agree with you, it's very much uh, you are building a baby yeah. together yeah. to yeah. launch into the world and do something. Mm. So that's huge, it's yeah. a huge important piece. Uh, yeah, and they need to be really aligned around values, I think. So the difference with so Jonathan, my co founder. Um, for AMI, we're, we're right from the beginning, we're very different people. He's more at the end of his career. When we started, I was like to think of myself as still quite young. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and we're very different people, but we're very aligned around our values. And I think that was something I learned from, from my first venture. That yeah. if you're not aligned around your values, it's just never going to work, no matter how hard you try. Yeah, and as you know, I, um, I just spoke to a group of your people mm. that to me, mm. aligning your values with your money. Yeah. It's like values are awesome. so overlooked. Mm. And yet there's, they're, you know, they're fundamentally what you can cling to at the end of the day when everything mm. else has kind mm. of fallen apart. If mm. you have that, that can be your guide, right? Yep. That can be your guide. We don't do this because yep. this is what our value is. So we, we can eliminate that. Yep. Right? Huge. Yeah. And, and we've had a lot of times, I think at AMI, where we've had to make tough decisions around, we've tried to make our values really cool as we built AMI and we've had to make some tough decisions when you know, people, processes or, or even clients haven't, you know, lined up with our values that were costly at the time, but they were such line in the sand moments that really helped build our identity and our DNA as a company, I think, that, mm -hmm. 
is so you're right like those are and then that builds resilience for when the hard times come because you know who you are and the team knows what they're part of and that they're part of something bigger yeah um yeah yeah it prevents the sell-off yeah the sell-out exactly. so to speak yeah um, i'm curious what kind of what so what kind of people at this point are being attracted into AMI? Like, mm. uh, is there, is there a train? real age group that is, mm. you know, streamlined or is it of all ages, etc.? Yeah, so we, I mean, we have a real focus on management and business skills, um, but quite a broad reach in terms of the types of people we work with. So we've trained about 20,000 people wow. in 13 countries. With, on a, we've run about 70 programs. And all of our programs run over a period of time. So we don't do any kind of hit and run workshops, like in out, gone, because they, they generally don't work. Um, we work with people over kind of a few months through this blended learning model. And a lot of the time we're working online with them, um, but we try always to have some kind of in-person element. And the people we're working with range from, so part of the business focuses on, on organizations, on companies. So we sell, I mean, to put it very simply, we sell training programs to companies. So if you want 20 of your middle managers trained on how to, on the kind of fundamentals of being a good manager and motivating your team, getting the best out of your team, we'll run programs like that. So we've run, you know, kind of management and leadership programs with dozens of companies around Africa, mostly in Kenya and South Africa, where we have offices. Um, and ranging from Nestle and KLM's kind of East African division down to some kind of really exciting, innovative, high growth young companies um, in the solar renewable energy space, even in, in Bitcoin. In fact, we've worked with a cryptocurrency company. Um, so a whole range of, of different companies. So that's on the uh, kind of B2B business, I guess. Right. And then a lot of what we do increasingly is with entrepreneurs and youth um, and there's a huge amount of work at the moment going into, across the continent, going into kind of capacity development programs where donors, um, governments, uh, even big companies are, are starting to see the need to, to go beyond their staff to invest in communities more broadly, to build capacity, just to strengthen societies and economies. Um, and so we do a lot of work in that. So we do large scale programs for, for example, uh, 3,000 entrepreneurs, in around Kenya, we've done we've worked on that with one of Kenya's biggest banks. So they're training their clients, and about their right. ideas. If we strengthen our clients, we'll get stronger. We've we worked with 3,500 female micro entrepreneurs in Egypt. Um, program in Arabic, which is a little bit crazy, but yeah. very fun. Um, with local partners, obviously, but um, yeah. So it, and then we've done a few programs with youth as well, so young people. Um, who have come out of school or university and then are moving uh, into the workplace. So we run a few programs to help them develop their kind of what we call 21st century skills. So professional skills that they perhaps, and critical thinking skills that they perhaps haven't had a chance to develop at school. Right. So um, I know we're going to go to a break shortly, so I won't ask you a really deep question here. <laughs> ask um, it and give me time to think about yeah, well, it. <laughs> maybe I will. Maybe I'll, I'll table it. Uh, so and I guess part of my, I'm, I'm curious about a couple of things. Mm. One is, uh, why Africa? Mm. And so, you know, we can, we can dive into that. It's probably a bigger question, mm. but what kind of mindset, because the show is called Money, Mindset, yeah. and Love. I'm yeah, curious yeah. if you've given this, like, what kind of mindset does it take from you mm. to decide I'm going to move my family to Nairobi, mm. yeah. you know, where, you know, you're from England, mm -hmm. like, 
It's pretty comforting over there, and mm -hmm. not that you're suffering here, but it's not. No, it's no Amazon. It, yeah. yeah, and so what? What kind of you know? What is it that drove you to? I guess want to do that. Do you want me to answer that now? Yeah, we can. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I've just kind of been thinking about this a bit recently, and what it, what it takes for. I mean, entrepreneurs are by definition. I think you have to be a little bit crazy, not crazy, but you. I think there's a few things. One is for it to be a social entrepreneur, you need to want to change the world and that can sound a bit trite but I think you need to want to make a difference and have that driving and I feel like I think I've always had that sense of wanting to make a difference and, and that kind of I guess service kind of mindset that I was grown up with right. the idea that I need it was my duty to to do something beyond myself kind of fueled so you as a that, writer as well yeah right? yeah exactly and then I think for entrepreneurs you you need a bit of ego you have to think that you you can be that difference right which is there's, there's some, I guess, a little bit of arrogance really around that and you've got to believe that you can do it. So I think there's that. And I've always sought out difficult problems and thought that I might be able to solve them, rightly or wrongly. It hasn't always worked. Um, and so I, th I think it's something around those two things, around wanting to do something that makes a difference and wanting to do something difficult Yeah. Um, that's perhaps fueled the move. Yeah, you know, you bring up, um, you bring up a great point in that... Um, you know, me having been a musician, mm -hmm. I always, for some reason for me, business is very much like running a band. And mm -hmm. I know people might think I'm crazy when I say that, but it requires so much teamwork. It requires organization. It requires structure. It requires rehearsal mm -hmm. practice. Like there's all of these elements that go into mm -hmm. it that I see in running a business now, how much of it is similar. Mm -hmm. But the piece that you... Um, uh, that you, you kind of touched on, which, you know, you I think you said ego. It, you mm -hmm. need some sort of... I sort of look at that like as an artist. There's mm. there's this need to do something mm. or to have a voice. Yeah. And you have you have to have that. Mm. Like if you don't believe it, yeah. It ain't gonna there's no chance it's gonna happen. So that's a really great point for all you entrepreneurs out there, all of you people mm. that want to start something in the world, you really need to believe it mm. internally mm. because some days that's all you have mm. is your own internal belief. And you kind of mentioned that your first project or your first entrepreneurial mm. decision going into Africa mm. was something that you poured your heart into, mm. right? And it mm. requires that. So mm. thank you for sharing that. That's a really great point. We have to go to break. I'm getting the evil eye from our producer here. So we're <laughs> going to go to break. And when we come back, uh, a couple things. One, I want to talk about, uh, you mentioned something about um, how many women have been trained in like Egypt, Egypt for example. Mm. And my perception in North America was like, that. are they allowed to go to school? Like that's kind of, you know, a perception of uh, other, other countries in the world. So I want to talk a little bit about that. You're listening to Money, Mindset, and Love. I'm your host, Thomas DeShooter. You can find us on moneymindsetandlove.com. You can join our Facebook group there and get updates all the time. We'll be back from this break with Rebecca Harrison from AMI. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. Do you feel uneasy visiting a bank? Do you struggle to sit through a meeting with your financial advisor and leave having not fully understood what they were talking about? Are you blindly trusting that somebody else understands this better than you? Call Thomas the Shooter and the team at Bloom Strategies to create your financial future. Together, you will break down the game of money so that you win. Learn how to take control of your finances and make decisions based on your core values. 
that put you in the driver's seat of your financial life. No more thinking that you don't get it. No more financial statements left unopened. And no more feeling like you are stuck in a world of scarcity. Join the conversation on Facebook at Bloom Strategies or go to bloomstrategies.com today. That's B-L-O-O-M strategies.com. Are you ready to move to your next level? Listen for Empowering Women, Transforming Lives with host Rebecca Hall Greider. Each show will focus on a central topic with discussion, guests, and your questions being featured. Our show is perfect for women who feel a call in their heart to step out in a bigger, more powerful way in their life and just need some encouragement, inspiration, and practical steps to support them on their journey. Empowering Women, Transforming Lives can be heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. And join us for a replay of the show on Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Money, Mindset, and Love. To reach the program today, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to thomas at thomasdeshooter.com. Now back to Money, Mindset, and Love. Hi, we're back. Welcome to Money, Mindset, and Love. I'm your host, Thomas Deshooter. And before we continue here with Rebecca Harrison, I just want to bring up that we are launching the Prosperity Challenge again. So this is our next round of the Prosperity Challenge. You can sign up and go to, uh, by going to theprosperitychallenge.com. We would love to have you on board. We had great success in our test. Uh, the last version was a pilot, and uh, it was fantastically met. So we have decided we're going to continue down that path of creating prosperity in the world. So the prosperitychallenge.com. And uh, we're back. So Rebecca, thank you for that. Um, when we left, we were talking, I know we were going to discuss maybe jumping into about women learning in Africa and some of the results around that, mm. but there was something you wanted to talk a little bit more about. And so, and it was, it was around ego and around mm. us pushing ourselves forward and I think it's a really I think it's a really important piece because it's it's the difference between somebody having success on their own whether it's in their first so for example their first entrepreneurial effort or having the guts to go into the next one and continue pushing mm-hmm. right because it's it's not always going to be a, a garden of roses yeah right? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it was just linked to what we were talking about, and I've, I've been thinking a lot recently about like what makes entrepreneurial success, and I wouldn't yet claim to have, you know, I mean, who knows where this will go? I hope we'll go on to bigger and better things, you know. Um, but but what does success look like as an entrepreneur? And and I think it is, as I said, it's around to be a social entrepreneur, you've got to want to make a difference. You, there's the idea that you've got to believe you can do it, and that you have something. To, to offer the world and then fundamentally I think it's just about resilience it's I think good the more I look around me at entrepreneurs who've 
succeeded and those who failed, the ones who've succeeded are just, you know, the, the men and women that kept going every day, like when it gets tough, that just keep going. And, and I think for me, that's really been a, a huge learning over the last five years since we started AMI is just how many times you know, things have gotten way worse than I thought they were ever going to be. And yet, you know, you just keep putting one foot in front of the other and you keep going and you have good people around you and you stick to your values and you keep doing good work and things get better, you know. And then, and, and I have become increasingly convinced that, you know, that there's no special recipe, there's no clever tricks. You've just got to, like, have something to give the world and then you just keep giving it and keep yeah. doing it. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to finish off that point, I guess. Yeah, that's that. great. Thank you. And my dad used to have this saying that um, you're either going forwards mm. or you're going backwards. Mm. You're never just staying still. True. Right. And so uh, on that note, with an entrepreneur, I would prefer to be going forward. Mm. I would at mm. least want to know that I'm taking the step. Mm. Mm. And, and you know, my wife Leslie and I have talked about both of us had careers in, in the arts. And when I look back now, uh, you know, I had a band, we released a couple of albums, we toured a lot, we played music, and I know why we didn't make it. Because mm. we stopped. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, at yeah. the end of the day, there's no other reason than yeah. we actually stopped doing what we were doing, so we, we immortalized, if you will, mm. that fact. Yeah. We will not succeed as million, you know, record sellers yeah. because we're actually not producing any stuff anymore. So. Yeah. That's a great point. Uh, something we talked, you sort of mentioned before we went to break is, um, is I think it was what, 3,500 women in Egypt that mm -hmm. had taken your courses. And so what popped into my brain, and I apologize for this, but you know, living in North America, the perception is everything in Africa and the Middle East is like women are, you know, kept down and they're not allowed to go to school or that kind of, that kind of stuff. And I just want to, you know, I want to blow that out as if it, as, as not reality, because here you are in Africa as an entrepreneur. So what can you tell us about, about the opportunities about gender for women? And women. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's such an interesting topic and obviously one that's like close to my heart as sure. a female entrepreneur. And we have um, almost all female leadership team at AMI and I think we're at like 75% female employees. Um, but we are still the minority and, you know, we work with men and women. Um, I think we're, we're still below 50% women have gone through our programs. We don't do the selection often, our clients do, but we, we encourage them obviously to give the same opportunities to men and women. Um, what's interesting is we're increasingly seeing clients who are proactively targeting groups of women. So this group in, in Egypt, it was with a range of partners and it's a program that's, that's proactively supporting and helping women entrepreneurs to grow. We did have, there were some men on that program as well, but they specifically targeted, I actually can't remember now the, the exact ratio of men to women, but they were specifically targeting women because all the statistics, you know, um, show that when you invest in women generally, that's um, the yield is better for communities. So women tend to, when women make money, they're more likely to invest it back into their families, into education, into the communities. Um, and it's really interesting, we see on our programs consistently, if you put a man and a woman come into a, a woman come into a program kind of at the same time and the same level, women are much more likely to complete the program and to translate their learning into tangible, tangible results for their mm. lives or their businesses. So for example, we did a youth program, they, we had um, a 50-50 intake, men and women, yet of those who graduated was something like 65 to 70% were women. Um, so it's, it's, I mean, what it's telling me is that often when you give many women 
I mean, globally, but particularly in this part of the world, haven't always had the same opportunities as men. Yeah, so sure. when women are given opportunities, they're more likely to seize them and translate them into something really tangible for right. themselves and their communities, their families, um, which is really, really interesting and really exciting because, you know, it just... It means you can have more impact if you know where the where, you know if you know where to target your impact. It means you can you can do more with what you've got. Sure, sure. Um, so how uh, I want to I want to go back a little bit, way back in time, mm. into the time machine. Mm. So uh, and correct me if I'm wrong here. I had the sense that you wanted to go to report in the Middle East at some point. In, mm, in I your, did. In your, yeah. Yeah, and I know you did that, yeah. but that, that was like you something you wanted to do yeah. was to step into the danger zone mm. and be a reporter. What? Mm. Like why? Why? What was it about that that you were just like I have to go do this? Oh, that's a great question. Um, gosh, I, I I think it's back to this point I made earlier. Like I, I've always had this drive to do hard things. I don't know why. It's like a bit of a masochistic instinct. I don't know what it is. Ask my husband. I don't know. But um, I, t I don't know. I tend to, I like finding re like really, I like ch big challenges. And I think as a reporter and as a, re as a, as a foreign correspondent, as working with Reuters news agency, um, I, and I think most foreign correspondents are the same. If you're going to be a foreign correspondent, you at some point you want to go to a war zone. It's just that's the thing that you do, and it's the biggest story. It's where all the action is. It's where the news is. Um, and if you're driven by doing that, you want to be at the. It's it's like if you're an entrepreneur, you want to be. You know, you want to get big. Most right. you know ambitious entrepreneurs don't want to stick with kind of one store. They want to, you know. 100 stores that yeah. it's kind of the nature of the beast i right. think yeah. yeah i know for me as a musician i want to be the best in the world yeah right? you don't like, want to just play yeah. your local social club right? yeah you want like to i was kind of driven to yeah. you know want to become cold Superboy. yeah at some point which never <laughs> happened by the way in case you're curious we'll just keep going and it will <laughs> <laughs> um great so what's next for amic what's the what's the trajectory what are yeah. what are uh, and uh i guess one, one thing that pops in my head as i ask that is are there other offices in Africa besides just the one here in, in Nairobi? Yeah, so we have our head office in Nairobi, we've got an office in South Africa, Johannesburg. We just, we're just right now launching an office in Rwanda, in um, Kigali, Rwanda. Um, it's a really small market, but we're working on a really exciting program there with an international foundation to train 8,000 young Rwandese. Um, and, and then the goal ultimately is to be, you know, pan-African. Pan um, we know that we have a methodology that really works. We've seen the impact. We know that when people go through our programs, they do their jobs better, they build their businesses. Um, so really our goal is to, to expand as, as far as we can. Right. Um, we, we managed to raise some investments. We're a business, just we're a social enterprise, but we're structured as a business. So we raised some investment capital at the end of last year, so that's given us some runway to expand the team, build the team, um, build our products a little bit more, kind of refine the products. So yeah, the goal is just to keep, keep going, keep building. Right. What are some of the biggest challenges you face? Um, currently, or have faced, or uh, yeah, uh, no, I mean, like, uh, so I have. I had this business coach for many years, mm. and every time we would set up goals and you know what it is mm. we're going to do, she'd always she would always say to me, "Now, what's going to bite you in the ass?" Yeah, right. So, what what are the things out there that you guys see as the as the challenges that yeah. you know? Obviously, we can't the black swan event, the thing that comes way out of left field. There's nothing we can do yeah. about that, but we can look into our business and go, if we don't do this or if this mm. happens. 
So what are a couple of those things that you might face? Yeah, I mean, the two, the two big challenges for us are, is one is just the market. Like if I was going to choose a market where I would just go make a ton of money, this would not be Skills, talent development, human capital in Africa is like not the place to make quick money, right? Okay. It's, we're playing the long game. So, so, and one of the specific challenges around that is that although everyone identifies this is one of the critical challenges, that the continent is facing. Like there's going to be a youth population boom. We're going to have millions of unemployed young people across the continent if we don't collectively kind of do something about it soon. It's a scary prospect mm -hmm. for the world. It is, yeah. Um, but yet so much potential, so much opportunity there, right? So everyone recognizes this fact, but yet there's, there's very lim limited willingness to pay for kind of skills development programs um, by, by kind of organizations and, and individuals. Um, so there's still quite a lot of dependence on like, donor money and kind of, um, yeah, kind of donors and, and kind of partnership type money. So the market is a, it's not a simple, clean marketplace. It's mm -hmm. a little bit of a confused, yeah. broken marketplace with various different stakeholders, complex. So navigating that's probably our biggest challenge. Like we know the need is there. We know that we can provide value, which it may sound very strange to North American entrepreneurs where, you know, you find a market, you get a product that meets the needs of the market, get product market fit, you grow, right? It yeah. should be simple. Um, it sounds like a really fundamental thing for us. That's, it's more complex than that and will probably continue to be more complex than that for some time. Right, but the, so culture, navigating that. the culture just isn't set up yet for that. Is that, is that what, is yeah, that what I think in the economies, the way that the economies work, there's not as much. So, so your average organization, for example, here that employs 100 people would be making much less revenue than an equivalent-sized organization mm -hmm. in Canada, say. Right. Um, and so there's less disposable income, and also there's less of a, there's a slightly, this is a generalization, but there's a slightly more short-termist thinking around business that says, well, if I train someone, they'll get poached anyway, so let me not Why bother? You know, yeah. Right. It's changing, but we're, we're having to almost educate a whole market rather than just sell our products, which is tough as a small, you know, yeah. small business, yeah. really, to try and shift a whole market. Um, but the, I mean, that's what makes it exciting. Yeah, uh, sure. Fun challenge to tackle, right? But it's, it's, that's tough. Um, so that's the biggest challenge. And the second is probably, ironically, given that we're in the, development, the business of developing people, is still finding the best people to, to kind of build the company has, has always been a challenge. We're in a really good place now. We're a bit better resource, so we've been able to find great people. Our team is awesome. You met them. Yeah. Um, uh, so, so that's great, but still always, you know, as we grow, continuing to be able to find and access that kind of talent and, and those kind of skills in a market where there is a skill shortage, that's why we exist, you know, so, yeah, um, yeah that's always a challenge. Um, I think the last question, because we're going to be wrapping up soon, is um, what, what does that take for somebody like yourself to just want to move your family here? Because this is not... Hmm. It took a lot of long conversations with my husband. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean... Like, are you scared? Like, do you worry about the opportunities that your kids are going to have here versus if they were in... Yeah, know, I, mean, I, okay. I mean, as you know, our family is kind of complicated as well. So we have yeah. two, my two, we adopted our two sons and they're yeah. both of African origin. Right. So actually, you know, the idea of moving, moving here, moving to Kenya, neither of them are from Kenya, but... Um, 
the idea of being able to spend a good chunk of their early childhood here is is an opportunity for us, not a not a risk. Right. I, I would I would say the opportunities far outweigh the right. risk that they're able to grow up, you know, in a, a, a context and a culture that they feel some affinity with, yeah. um, is is wonderful, and. For me, there are more interesting problems to solve here than, than at home. And Jason comes along for the ride yeah. and <laughs> it's very tolerant. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because his work is here as well. Yeah, right? also his, so. his work is here. And we both both of us have worked extensively across the continent. Yeah. So we're, we're, we really, as a family, have very much one foot, if not one and a half feet, kind of yeah. here. How, <laughs> how do people get a hold of you? Like, where, where do they start with AMI? What's yeah, that? so AMI is um, www.africanmanagers.org. Okay. Um, we're on Facebook, African Management Initiative. We're on Twitter, Africa Manager. Um, yeah. Drop us a line, get in touch. We'd love to hear from other people involved in kind of human capital talent globally or other people who've been, who are interested in this challenge of kind of building skills in this continent and, and businesses we'd love to hear from. Thank you so much to our guest, Rebecca Harrison. It was a real pleasure to have a conversation with her about the African Management Initiative. I'm your host, Thomas DeShooter, and I'll just apologize real quick for some of the audio as we weren't in the same kind of uh, sound uh, quality environment that I have back at home. So we had some dogs barking, some trucks going by, but nonetheless, we made the best of it. It was fantastic. And uh, listen, if you'd like to get a hold of us further, you can reach us on our Facebook page at moneymindsetandlove.com. You can also find us at bloomstrategies.com. And uh, why not take part in our upcoming Prosperity Challenge? And to join up for that, you can go to theprosperitychallenge.com. Get on board. The first one was a great success. A lot of great breakthroughs for some of our participants where they just knew that uh, they, were, they were seeing money and prosperity in a whole different light from before. Again, thanks to the team at Voice America, Influencers Channel. It's been a great pleasure working with them. This has been a great ride. I'm your host, Thomas DeShooter. All the best. Thank you for being with us today on Money, Mindset, and Love. Please join host Thomas DeShooter for another amazing show next Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. And have yourself a great week.